What's up, everybody? My name is Brandon McCollum, also known as BMC, and this is Nice Minds. As you can see, we're in a little bit different of a setting today, and I'm with my friend Brandon Scott, Brandon Scott Jacobson. I want to thank you for having me on here again. I know it was on the first episode, and it's really great to be back here and kind of retouch on some of the things and fucking seeing you do this, man. It's awesome. Thank Watching you, sir. Watching you grow. I've seen all the episodes. I've loved. I keep learning from everybody. Um, every everyone has a new story, a new perspective. What brought them there, and they're all trying to get to where they want to be. Um, and you've brought that out in all the conversations. So it's super dope to listen to. Definitely, like a hundred percent, love it. Hell yeah, dude! I was having a conversation with my buddy Oracle Uno um, on the episode. Well, it'll be the episode that airs before this, but um, he was basically talking about how he's seen my confidence level just rise. Um, and it's been just very apparent and I'm starting to feel that way. You know, I'm yeah. starting to finally feel like, like I know my voice. I know, um, my place. Like I know what I'm doing now. I, I have no, like, I don't have that fear that I had back in December when I was first starting. I'm like, Oh, are people going to like this? Like, are people going to like what You're I'm getting great feedback, man. Yeah. People are loving it. Even in the podcast, they say who they listen to and how they were excited and they, they were listening to it because they were excited to get onto the podcast and have something to relate to and see what you're about. And everybody's super supportive of you uh, doing this. And I can definitely see your confidence rising, your ability to pull out the questions and keep it on track with um, like, oh, you know, it's we're musicians. We like to go over and talk about whatever creative ideas and go on a tangent. And you're really good at bringing right back to the subject. Like, oh, by the way, I still want to ask you, what do you do in this this year for music or what's a what's a what would you give for a young male or female trying to get into the music industry at this at this level and those are really great questions i, I feel very valuable i appreciate that man but enough about me dude tell us where we're at right now where we're at we <laughs> we're at what's called the honey house so what is the honey house the honey house is a honey processing facility or or house here um we cater to in a year probably about 800 hives in a season um we extract the honey we do candle wax candles um whole um single source honey which means that it's only come from one beehive and we track that location where it came from the date and the specific hive numbers, so we know exactly what type of floral it came from. And the other things that we do are selling bees. Uh, we sell queen bees as nukes, so it's gonna be two supers where you have the bottom super. A super is the boxes that you'll see on, so if you see a beehive out in the, out in the field, You'll see a box, two, three, four boxes stacked up. Those are all supers. Um, the bottom one is where the queen will be, and then the supers above are where the the worker bees and the brood will be to continuously provide for the hive. Go out, pollinate, bring the pollen back, create honey, and for the new ones. And it's a beautiful cycle. I'm still excited to learn. Um, since I've been here, I started in January. I haven't had any hands-on experience with the bees because they won't be back until about May 10th. Yep. Um, cause they're in, in Texas right now. We also offer wintering services. So if you do have beehives, 
we will load them up for you and we'll send them to Texas, take care of them. And if anything unfortunate happens, we will replace that beehive for you. That's dope. So it, Ames Farm is, they produce honey. Um, you're sold in different stores, like around the Twin Cities. National too? Um, not so much national. There are a few places. I think there's a, a small shop in, in New Jersey that he's a friend with that has some of our products um, in the, is it the Metawatican, Metawatican Sioux area where the um, Mystic Lake Casino is? I think so, something like that. Yeah, the Sioux, they, yeah. we offer to them. Um, we're in a lot of the co-ops in the mids in the cities like Trader Joe's, um, Franklin East Side and West Side. Um, we are in Whole Foods, Lunds and Byerleys, and a lot of different local shops that like to support us, like here in Watertown or Delano. That's what's up, man. And the the story of how you got this job is epic too. Yeah. So kind of explain because so I remember. You were thinking about like, like, oh, I wanted to get into the honey business. And at first I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like what? You were like, you're like, yeah, bro, I want to get into like, you know, uh, working with bees and honey and all that stuff. And I'm just like, all right, man, good yeah. luck. <laughs> you know? yeah. and then, but That's then, cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. then like, you're like, bro, like I, I literally, you, so how did you, you emailed the, like a bunch of places, so, right? So to get, to get to where that brought me to. Um, to back up a little bit, you know, once COVID hit, um, you know, I stopped performing in bars uh, with Just Merlin. I love those guys. Our new album is going to be out on May 15th, our second album. Super stoked that it's going to come out. Did you play on that? I, yep. I oh, did, nice. I did all the bass on that Sweet. And, on the first album and the second album. Um, and at that time, I decided in 2019 that I just wanted to leave performing for a little bit and focus on my mental health, my drug addictions, my alcohol abuse, and spending more quality time with my children. Um, it was a very good ties. I am great friends with all the people. I stay in contact um, and everybody understood. I did that, I think was May of 2019. Um, yeah, so we recorded our album in 2018, yep. So May of 2019 is when it ended up leaving the band under good circumstances. And that's when you and I started kicking it. Like that's when you and I started like, yeah. When you quit that, because I think you were like just quitting the band when you and I started kicking it and you and I started like working together heavily and just different projects and stuff like that. Totally. Just collaborating on like everything. Totally. I, I performing is absolutely amazing. It's astonishing. It's a thrill. It's a rush. A four hour show goes by like 30 minutes, you know, time is completely, warped you're engaged with the audience you're engaged with the band you're locked in you're having fun um the studio is comforting and feels like home the studio is and that's when i started to do more studio work seek out more studio and that's how we kind of connected yep. uh, i wanted to be more involved with actually the gun for hire come into a studio session lay down a couple tracks that's kind of what led us to do some collaborating i played some guitar some bass um, and you taught me a lot about how signal flow works and getting the right mix. You, you, like you can't polish a turd, you know? Right. And I, I was listening the other day, just some of the old tracks I had sent you off of Brandon Scott and the creative measures, one of the monikers I had before. And it's more of like that country, um, vibe, yep. uh, really folk music. 
and you're like, this is really good. It can be tweaked and touched and polished up, but you're like, the, the foundation is really good. And then some of the music you brought into and trying to get involved with like some of the nice guy stuff, I really got more involved with hip hop. Yep. And so I kind of stepped away from acoustic writing and songwriting on a guitar traditionally that way or a piano, uh, more so to writing beats, producing, doing hip hop. Um, and that really was awesome. I mean, that really excelled my skills, learning sound design. You'd always say you're, you're a big help in saying, you know, sound selection yep. is one of the most important. important things. Yeah. And understanding like when things cross, tuning your 808s and your drums to have the same hit and the same frequency, but making sure that they're not overriding each other, right? leaving space in between things. And I think during the pandemic, we opened, you and me, we opened, yeah, dude, yeah, samples. samples yep. And that took us, to me, that took me from knowing music knowledge of how sample production works and what it's used from about 6% to about 83%. Yeah. Like I know way much more about what a sample it is, what a sample is, what a sample rights clearing is, um, how to produce a sample, what makes a good sample, audio transients, making sure that things are not peaking, making sure that there's enough headroom for dynamics to be put in later and mastering, like th pushing, pushing ourselves to do that. I think we all learn just quite a bit about ourselves and the production of music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With the, I do samples, we, we both, I mean, really grew a lot. And I mean, I, I heard your stuff, like your mixes, especially like, I mean, your stuff has always been good. Like, like your, your music foundation, like I said, but your sound selection, your mixing just went like, all of a sudden it seemed like it was in like a short amount of time too. It was. seemed like it was like the la the end of last summer. It was like all of a sudden, like everything you were doing just sounded fucking amazing. Like it was I just like, it. it was just like left and right. You were just like, boom, 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 just cranking out just like hotness. I still got, I still got 10, 15 that I haven't even worked on enough, but they're, they're foundation. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is gold. I need to keep this. Hell yeah. What I really want to do and a big dream of mine is like, I just want to be a producer. Like I want to take like, all my ideas that I have, like that I make by myself and like create stuff with other people, like songwrite for other people and like, yeah. like just be in the studio with other people. So I can't wait until the pandemic is fully done and we can find a studio spot to like really start doing I think that'd be stuff dope. like that. That'd yeah. be dope. Cause you know, once that's there, you got the clients, you got the friends, the poll, the, the talent, you got the people that are in the industry that want to support you and that, we'd all give you that, that motivation to do that as well as like, I mean, I would love, I've asked you a few times to produce some of, some of my music just because I know you got that ear, the talent, but you also, like you, you say you're a people pleaser, but you're also a very good critic in a nice way. You'll be like, this is good. I like this. But if you were to tweak it, it actually might give this more of a feel. Yeah. And I think that's the feel you might be going for. Versus like, yeah, it's okay. Try again. And I've had people say that to me where it's like, yeah, your music was all right, you know, but you could have done better, you know. And then it's at that. But like when you, you're like, you're like, yeah, this is really good. Um, but your vocals are a little bit of out of time or 
um, this this phrase isn't you're jumbled. You're trying to fit too much in a thing. And then I'm like, oh, that's that's very true. Going back to like what you were talking about with like me seeing like like oh recognizing that that something's good, but you can you know if you added these tweaks, you can make it better. Right. That's something that I've always kind of been good at, and yes. that's something that I like um, with especially with like nice entertainment and everything that I've have experienced. Like I can see somebody's talent and be like, oh, they're they're really good at this if they only like knew more about that or like practice that or whatever, like, or if they knew exactly what they could tweak, they would be amazing. And so, um, with that, I, I feel like with you, I saw your natural gift of like, you can, you're amazing at bass, you're amazing at guitar and they're all really, really catchy and you can just come up with it like, it like that comes very natural, just comes yeah. very natural and very quick. And I was like, damn, like you, I, cause I, I know if, if, we get you in the studio with some pop heads and like, I'm, like all, you and I'm I, there all day. You and I start making pop music. Like we're going to fucking like go to the fucking moon. And with the pop music, um, that's been like in high school, I used to dance without my friends knowing to Ace of Bass or to Justin Timberlake yep. or Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. I mean, I, I loved stuff that you would have been clown for. They would have known. Right. Right. Same, and you, know. I, you know, I was still a metalhead. And sync, bro. Yeah. Bro, hell yeah. I'm yeah. glad that you said harmonies. And sync's last two albums that they put out, no strings attached and celebrity. I don't even care. The hardest fucking people can watch this. And I'll still say those two albums are like my favorite shit of all time, bro. Nice. Like, I, don't, I, I had the heart strings, but not the other one. No, no strings attached. Yeah. yeah hell yeah. Yeah. Cause that's when the, the, the video where there are dolls. Yep. Yeah, yep. and that's off that track. Yeah, I yep. had that one. Hell and yeah. I got that for like Christmas one year when I was like 15 or so. Yep. And I was like, I just jammed to it all the time. I used to jam to uh, Papa Roach. Um, that was the first CD I ever bought when I was like 16. I'd have to be, you know, doing chores at home. And it wasn't uh, the best circumstances always. So music really helped me escape at that time. And I'd put in Papa Roach and I'd jam on the broom as air guitar mm -hmm. and I'd be cleaning and sweeping and I'd just memorize all that and then eventually got the guitar and learned uh like I said before learned a lot of acoustic and and metal and um folk music and how to play chords I know you've had hopes of like starting a band where are you now with like your solo music yeah so as um the first ever gigs I did, I, the first gig I did when I was 15, uh, open mic, play at Enter Sandman with a couple of friends. And I, in high school, I would always be the guy, I would write lyrics all day in class. And then I would also write who I wanted, who I thought would be good in a band that I knew played instruments. And then I would write out like five or six band names and I would send these notes to the different kids in class. And I'd be like, what do you think is the best band name? And I'd get a survey from all the kids in class on the, what they thought. I remember I'd put Steel Raven. I put, that was based off Steel Dragon, the movie. Um, it's a- uh, Oh, Rockstar? Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I was like, Steel Dragon. I was like, Steel Raven. So I wrote that yeah. down. Touch of Grey was one of our band. That's what we ended up going with. Um, Ravenclaw. I had a bunch of weird names. Um, is that like something from Harry Potter or something? Ravenclaw? Isn't that something? Uh, something like that I yeah, might have gotten okay. from. Yeah. But I'd, I'd put together things and then I'd put up like like seven or eight names 
and I'd pass it to the class. Like everyone give me a check to what you want, like a tally mark and I'd get it. Like I'm just always been obsessive about identity, I guess. I've yeah, been searching identity. for identity. And as you're asking, like the music that I produce is poppy as fuck. Like I'm a, it's just natural for yeah, pop catchy. music. I love pop music. Yeah. I have Lady Gaga tattooed on me. I'm gonna Forgot get Katie, about that. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna get Katy Perry That's tattooed crazy. on me. I I want just I love pop music with my moniker where I'm at as my solo music. My first moniker was Be Love Create, and I put out an album, and then I went to IPR, and I saved up like twenty five hundred bucks. And I hired net today thinking like I helped those guys out a lot and it was a lot of great experience, but I paid a drummer $600 to come in and play on eight tracks. And I paid my audio engineer 800 bucks just to record these eight songs. And then to get the masters was another 650 and to duplicate them was fucking 800 bucks or whatever and stickers and I w I'd walk through the whole process and this was like I think 2013 or 14 I walked through the whole process of that CD and the moniker I used at that time was drug dollars um and That's, I got that name. I was like that name it's a sweet name it's yeah. a sick name uh, I got that name because I was jamming with some friends one day and uh, we were all enjoying some some uh, cocaine, and he was like, hey, reach over there. Can you hand me some of those drug dollars? And I just stopped, and I said, what did you say? <laughs> and he goes, oh, those drug dollars over there. I said, no, 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 no. You didn't hear it. Like I said, you said drug dollars. Those are the best two words. That's America. <laughs> That's America. Yep, Drugs and up. dollars. Medication, pharmaceuticals. What is it? They say that like every dollar bill has like some trace amount of cocaine on it, right? Or hepatitis C. <laughs> or hep C. I've never heard that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not supposed to use dollar bills, but I've used plenty. Damn. Yeah. Um, and it, it is a risky thing. You're not supposed to share. And it's just whatever. It's like sharing a bowl with people. But yeah. Um, so I did drug dollars as that release. The release officially was drug dollars in American story of getting high. And then each song was based off of like feelings about it. Or um, one of the titles was talking to flies. So some really obscure stuff that I was, I was pretty high all the time. And um, I've always been an experimenter of drugs, used them under good circumstances, or I should say, um, circumstances that I felt were safe. Um, set and setting is a great tool to be aware of when ingesting psychedelics or any type of narcotic. You want to be in a safe environment. You want to be around people you are comfortable with. Um, you want to be hydrated. You want to have a, a knowledge of where outside is versus where inside in the bathroom is. Um, and so that way that I was brought up, that's how a lot of our friends have been. My peers, my older, my other peers have followed codes like that. So drugs have always been very involved in my life, um, but never have consumed parts of me that I was not able to control or take over. I've always been an experience and I've always seen them as almost like the, a dessert of life. 
you don't eat chocolate cake every day. You don't eat right. ice cream every day. That's a good point. But if once in a while you do some mushrooms or some a couple of lines with cocaine with a friend or a significant other and you have a very intimate, stimulating conversation um, and, it, and you're hydrated and you're not driving around and, not, and it's tested, um, I think that as a human, we should be allowed to explore our bodies and our, our subconsciouses and are in what we want to ingest. I mean, I think I even mentioned to you, you can get into a car and race at 200 miles an hour on a, on a track, but you can't go on a weekend and buy a eighth of magic mushrooms for psilocybin that might actually give somebody a healing experience right. versus fucking up your body or playing football at 19, getting head concussions, that's not beneficial to anybody except the the people making money when a human can have a life-changing experience. Absolutely. And it doesn't always have to carry that stigma that's been around with it. Yeah, I don't have much experience, as you know, with drugs. I mean, I've smoked weed uh, more times than I can count, a shitload. Um, And I've taken like shroom stems once, um, so I don't have a lot of experience, but I've always thought that drugs need to be legalized. Like all of them. Yeah. All of them. I mean, because regulated and, and regulated legalized. Yeah. and legalized. Exactly. I would agree because a lot of the stuff, even I have CBD. I went to the head shop a couple of weeks, a couple of days ago and the guy was, oh, you know, welcome. What do you want? I was like, I just want some CBD. My back's been kind of hurting. And he's like, Oh, you know, kind of talk. And I was like, no, I got, I got weed. I go, I don't need that. He's like, you want the strong stuff, this stuff? I was like, no, no. And then he gives me some stuff. He's like, it's got Delta THC-8. And I was like, what is this? It's synthesized legal THC that is a byproduct that they concentrate and then they use as a, they circumvent around the laws. Well, this Delta HTAC, if you read it, it says do not take one or more than one. It's extremely potent, extremely high. It, I have such a high tolerance, it didn't affect me or whatever. Um, but my mom's been in big into CD, CBD the last couple months because it's actually helped her with inflammation. Um, she's got fibromyalgia, and so she's in a lot of pain all the time, and she heard about CBD and it's helped her significantly. And she's never done drugs. She's never been a big drinker. Um, I think smoked once or twice and never been a very big advocate. Oh wow! But lately she's been understanding that the roots where we come from are a little bit more important than the, the concentrated pharmaceuticals that they've been giving to us to not even help. It's just prolonging ailments. Yeah. It's not really subsiding. Um, but this Delta H thing is like the problem with prohibition is because people will create synthetic cannabinoids to try and alter around or circumvent That's around crazy. the law. Yeah. And so you don't know what you're actually ingesting. You're actually ingesting a byproduct of a synthesized version of THC cannabinoid. You're not getting anything natural. It's a hard construct of it so you don't know what the long-term effects are um and that's just again with like prohibition and how our society views 
narcotics and drugs, drug addicts, addiction, when it's, I think, addiction is more of a personal, and I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but I've been around quite a bit, and addiction is usually just a refusal and a selfishness. Um, because I've been in spots where I don't want to, I'm not going to stop. You can't tell me what to do. And that's not, that's only selfish. Right. That's only you wanting to do what you want to do. And, and that's fine. You're people are allowed to be selfish. Um, but that's, but, but our world doesn't have to have that stigma around it because I honestly think drugs and the people that I have bonded with over the use of of drugs have been so profound that I have connections with people that I haven't talked to in years and I could I just know on both ends we could see each other and just have a four hour conversation on I love you, how are you doing? Glad to see you. How's life? What you been up to? Um and so that was the, with drug dollars, my moniker, I didn't feel very confident in representing that as me. Yep. Because as though I might advocate for some drug experimentation that's safe, precautious, and tested, I don't want to only be that. And if I were to have the name drug dollars, that's kind of all it would be all I would be able to talk about represent is hustling. I mean, I've lived in my car and sold drugs. I've sold very illegal drugs. I've been, done them all. Been in situations where I've seen things that are in movies like Requiem for a Dream. I've seen people put in dirty needles into a black spot in their arm that's not working. Oh, my God. I've seen people hold other people at gunpoint. I've seen... Shit, I've come to a house that's been robbed. Um, and I'm very fortunate to have never let drugs overtake something in my life like that. Yeah. And it's just because it's not, for me, it's been an experiment and an experience. And like I said, the dessert of life, it's not, I don't want to eat chocolate cake every day. Right. I don't want to do cocaine on a daily basis. I don't want to do heroin or mescaline or peyote or whatever it is on, yeah. on a day, you know, but if it's been a year and a half and the opportunity arises and you're with safe friends and a good environment, it's, it might be a good experience. It might be a life changing experience you can take with for many years. Um, but saying, Hey mom, I have a brand new album out. It's got eight songs. Hey grandma, I got a new album. Oh, awesome. Send it over. What is it? It's drug dollars. <laughs> and so it was good music. It was a good learning experience. I wasted a bunch of, I didn't waste, but I used a lot of money to learn how to go through the steps of everything from writing the song to hiring musicians for hire, getting the contracts to, um, I didn't know what mastering was and I didn't know what the files were. And there was a big dispute because I, that was my fault. I wanted the tracks and I wanted to edit them, but they gave it to me already edited. And I was like, this isn't what I wanted. He's like, no, this is how it works. Yeah. I mean, cause before I, I met you, like you didn't, or like when I met you, you didn't really even know how to like route like your guitar into like the studio. That just really excelled 
from having you in there, being in Taylor Sound for a year, to COVID, to just doing it every day for like eight months. Yep. Just really shot my production game up. Yep. Because, yeah, you went to school for a music business. So, you know, like the ins and outs of the business. And I, I mean, I took a, a few classes of business at, you know, IPR, but like we had the exact like opposite education when it comes to like music. Like I had like the all the audio engineering stuff and you had, you know, all of the business stuff. And so that's why I feel like we com- combined our knowledge is just like unstoppable. Cause I can come, I can come to you with any like business question or like whatever you can come to me for like audio stuff. And it's just been, been awesome. But to, to see your, your growth and like how much you've soaked up over the last couple of years has just been, it's been, it's been awesome to watch and it's been awesome to see. I appreciate that. And, um, a lot of, a lot of my friends recognize that and it makes me feel very good that I, that I am showing worth for what I'm doing. I'm a go, 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 go all the time person. I went to North Hennepin Community College, got my degree in performing arts and learn how to read music, learn how to play piano, learn music theory up to level four, took guitar up to level two, even though I was already self-taught for 10 years, 12 years. Um, it really helped understand where I'm at. Um, and then I went over to university college at Full Sail. And I just have to say, like, I'm super proud that I got a four-year degree in 28 months. And I did that while being in three bands, recording two albums, and having a newborn. That's crazy. And I didn't ever say I'm tired or complain or be like, I can't do this. I was happy as fuck. I was like, yes, go home, see my baby, wake up, practice, practice, do some homework, practice, go to a show, come home, see my baby. And it did kind of get to my confidence because I would perform a show. We get done anywhere from 10 if it was a short show to almost 2 a.m. if we're playing a four-hour show. And I didn't talk to anybody after the show. I packed up, got paid, left, and was with my kids. And that weighed on me. I felt conflicted. I wanted to be there for the fans. I wanted to meet more people. I wanted to be out. But I also did not want to not be able to wake up to feed my kids, take them to school, be there for them. And if you're out until 4 a.m., my kid wakes up at 7 o'clock. Yeah, it's like three hours, you know, um, and it and it happens sometimes or used to happen, but I haven't been performing the last two years, and I really, really fucking miss it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, but with like full sale, it gave me a great education on entertainment business. That's what my degree is: is the bachelor's of science of entertainment business, and it covered everything from. I've took I've taken contract classes, I've taken contract negotiation classes, contract writing classes, I've taken distribution model classes, um, understanding 365 deals. I have understand metadata, um, trafficking, um, a lot of uh, other legalities like um, royalty splits, synchronization rights, mechanical royalties. Um, I mean, the list just goes on. My head's full of of all that stuff. And 
the reason I got that degree is because I want to pursue my music with a hundred percent accuracy. Recently, like the last year or so, you really want to find your voice, like your, you know, your singing voice. Severed Tongues, I always wanted it to be more of a band. And just the transition of COVID and not having access to the same people that I wanted as a band, I tried doing it as, a, as more of a solo, mm-hmm. um, but it never felt right with my identity. And that's kind of what segues into the identity, I think, where if I go as Brandon Scott, my, my name is Brandon Scott Jacobson, but if I just go as kind of Brandon Scott, it's easier to be myself right because i you know my music i write hip-hop reggae psychedelic hard rock classic rock and i feel like kind of names you're kind of drug dollars is kind of stuck in hip-hop talking about money and drugs and street and, and hustling and girls and i feel like be love create was all about peace and trying to make the most loving music possible and severed tongues i want to be a fucking band that kicks ass that plays the music that we all play right and that's why severed tongues is a fucking dope name but it's a band it's not me yeah it's a band it's a band that's what i always thought too i always kind of had that in my my head i mean i didn't tell you but um I was like, yeah, that's that's a because it's it's very plural sounding too. Yeah, you know, so it sounds like more than one person, right? So yeah, I think going by your solo, like your own real name, that just opens up way more for you. Yeah, and I always had that trouble too with Nice Guy Entertainment. Well, I'm branding in general, like branding myself. Like the reason why Nice Guy Entertainment became a thing is because I could never figure out how to brand B McSee, but I never wanted to change my name either. So like. So I was like, oh, nice entertainment. That's my brand. Like it's a friendly thing. Right. But then I also at the same time, I was like, it, it I ran into like issues with like people that I would get on the label that didn't necessarily coincide with that brand. Right. You know? Right. So that's that's something that I always ran into as far as like identity with with myself and my label. Um, and that's why that's a I mean, there's many reasons, and I've said a million reasons on this why nice entertainment has become my personal brand but i always kind of had a hard time with with branding and identity and because you got kind of got to stay true to that brand you know like with with severed tongues like you you know when when you do that you're gonna have to like figure out what the severed tongues band brand is and like with drug dollars like you were saying like you can't really go outside of any sort of right i don't want to be confined and right with severed tongues even if I have to ask random people, they hear Severed Tongues, they think it's heavy. They, it just sounds heavy. Yep. And I did want the juxtaposition of it being lighthearted acoustic music with wholesome messages talking about real shit that would get your tongue cut out. I still think that should be a full band. You as an, like a co-producer and also as like maybe DJ if you wanted to. Uh, my friend Ben is another singer. Cody is a drummer. Dusty is a guitar player. I got a bassist. I got a live sound guy and a live live, live light guy. Oh damn! Yeah. So I, and I got a lyricist. Oh, so true. I'm I'm trying to build that actual team for Severed Tongues, and then that'll be Severed Tongues. But then it'll be a lot of my music that will be maybe contributed. But I want Severed Tongues to be 
a band. The whole Foo Fighters first album was all Dave Grohl. Like, right. you know, Dave Grohl played the drums, the bass, the the guitar, fucking wrote all the lyrics, sang all the lyrics, everything was him. And then the Foo Fighters are now, you know, like everybody knows the rest of the Foo Fighters now. Right. But that's how it started out was his idea, his like baby, his brainchild. That's kind of what what I've always had internally. And then I stopped working on my own goals because I started playing bass and I started getting, which I didn't, it wasn't a unwarranted or unwanted sacrifice. I was very conscious saying I'd rather play bass with these three, four, five bands that I'm getting experience on stage. I got stage legs right away. So I got that experience. Yep. And I wouldn't have had that experience if I would have just tried to focus on doing the beats. But I since I've had that experience and I've translated to stage, I feel like when I'm writing now, I actually write for a fun band to perform. I feel like what I write is fun to perform for other people. Like yep. my music, the way that the drums bounce, the way that the bass will hit. Um, I feel like if there's a full band that was to to do some of that, it would be like fun for everybody to do. Yeah, you gotta have that like exciting live element in there too. Yeah, yeah for sure. But what brought me to Brandon Scott is that's like my name and that's who I am. And when I would play on shows and they call out the people that are performing, you know, they'd say Brandon Scott, you know? So like, that's, that's really who I am. And I feel like if I were to put out any genre under Brandon Scott, it's less expected to be in a box. Right. Cause anybody that knows me already knows I'm all over the fucking place. Yeah. So it makes sense to see that. Um, and that's also why I've had so many different monikers and renditions because I've tried to fit, my personality into those boxes, but that's trying to fit it into a box. That's not me. Yep. So I feel like just going as Brandon Scott is my identity. Yeah. I think, I think as musicians too, we, we get so like we're in our head already, you know? So like we get so like in our head about all this stuff when it doesn't really need to be as complicated as we make it out to be really. And I was talking to, um, to my buddy Oracle about this on, on the previous episode before this. Um, really, we, we just need to get back to the reason of why. Why are we doing this? Like, right. And why you do it is because you love writing music. You right. love performing music. You love music. Yes. So I think I think getting getting to the bare bones of Brandon Scott is getting to your why. Right. You and know? I feel like if I'm writing about something Brandon Scott would write about, people are going to relate to that versus if I'm writing something because I think it sounds cool, like drug dollars. Right. Like I've sold drugs for, for many, for many reasons on many occasions to get by, to feed people, to, to fucking pay rent, whatever. So it did have an aspect and I did connect with it, but that's not who I am. So that's just kind of where I've been at and the identity I got from therapy. Yeah. How has therapy really helped you out, man? Because I know, you and I both talk about we're very open with each other about our struggles with mental health. Um, and I mean, I, I really want to thank you for um, how, you know, just accepting you've been and me to be able to be like perfectly honest. And like you actually, I mean, we started our friendship when I was like at one of the lowest points of my life. Like, like the, we started our friendship, like when I was like at my worst, 
and you were always fucking there for me. Yeah, I'm just checking like, in, seeing right. how you're doing. Always yeah. checking in. All I could always tell you, um, like, hey, I'm having a fucked up day, like, or I'm having a fucked up time, and you would just always be understanding. You never like, you never wavered, and that's fucking speaks volumes, bro. Because so many people, I mean, especially like, like I said, like in 2019, 2018, people dipped on me. Like people fucking bailed. This more stress that they didn't want to. Yeah. To deal like with. People, I don't. Like, I don't yeah. know what it was, but like I was at the wor- my worst of my worst, and people were used to me being like B McSee, like fucking booking shows, doing this, doing that, and like when my mom got sick, and I couldn't really do a lot of stuff because I was like, she was counting on me to like help her. Yeah. And like you were fucking around, bro. Like you were around, two JD, like you know, numerous other people, but like some people just. Dipped. Just disappeared. Yeah, they were you know too bu- too busy or didn't didn't you know I don't know I I was being too vulnerable and too open about how I was feeling and people just couldn't fucking handle it. So uh, you know, long story short, like thank you, man. Like thank Absolutely. you for, for being that you know that friend that um you know I can confide in. Absolutely, man. I still try to do that with 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 you with all my friends because. I I have had the same thing. Like, I loved being in Six Sense of Mia. I was with them for almost two years, solid. Not one of those guys has ever talked to me in the last four years now since I've been with them, and and, and it's hard not to take it personally, right? Because I was like, we shared we shared two years of living in a van and traveling, performing shows, and getting drunk and high and like crashing on couches that were random and like that's experience you grow together and like i never did any of them wrong not one of them calls me one of them's been married i didn't get invited to his wedding another one just does he blocked me on facebook nothing no reason that i know of and i'd like it it bothers me i'd I'd love to know why what did i do but then but then with therapy it's really helping me just be like like one of the skills i've learned is radical acceptance and like in radical acceptance, it's not just to being like, okay, I just have to accept everything as it is. It's no, it's more like this is the circumstances of what's happening. I'm validated to feel this way, but reacting in any negative adverse way is going to make it worse. So by radically accepting that this is what's real, the reality that you're facing, let's find new ways to approach it. And one of the new ways to approach it, like another skill, would be opposite action. So maybe if I were to see somebody block me on Facebook, I'd be like, why did you block me? What did I do wrong? Right. What or opposite action would be just not do anything. Yep. And that's okay. Um, it's not putting yourself down. It's they're the one that blocked you. They're not the one that's not open communicating. You're readily accepting that and saying there's... There's nothing that I can do more. And if it comes that way, I'm happy to do so. But by doing opposite action, by not reaching out and not dwelling on it and not doing that helps significantly. Um, And they teach a lot of skills. I've been, just to share something about it, and and I do want to talk about, because I've talked to other, other men about it, other males, other guy peers i mean most i've talked to a lot of women about being in therapy too my coworkers. but whenever i talk to men in general it's kind of there's a stigma it's a stigma it's kind of like oh yeah that sounds good but it's never gonna happen um 
I voluntarily sought therapy because I knew that I was handling a lot of tough situations and I felt like I was always justified in how I was acting. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you know how I've been with with my son's mothers and I love them dearly as human beings and I want them to be healthy for my kids and be involved. Um, but I can't control any of the ways that they want to live their life, obviously. And like a really fucked up thing is, is like I go above and beyond all the time for them, right? My car wasn't working last week. Neither one wanted to drop their kid off to see dad because they would probably rather take it out on me. And I was an inconvenience for them because I was didn't have a car. I have never once missed a time to pick them up. Never. And, and that sucks. That hurts. That really fucking hurts. It's stupid. Makes me feel unappreciated. It makes me feel like they... Just because they didn't get what they want means that they're taking it out on my kids. My kids deserve to have time with their dad. And just because my car's in the shop and I gave them five days notice that my car was in the shop and my weekend was coming up, one of them tried to make me rent a car. I was like, I'm not going to rent a car plus go pay for this. Right. She's like, I'm not driving 40 minutes out of my way. I cannot control. All I can do is radically accept that that's who they are. Yep. And and checking the facts. The facts are I don't have a car. I don't have extra money to rent a car to drive because I'm going to have to pay $600 to fix this one. Just paid rent. They have a car. They're not willing to drive even though I've asked them. So I've checked the facts. And the facts fit how I'm feeling. I'm feeling unappreciated, upset, used. And I feel very upset for my kids because they deserve time with their dad, especially since their dad wants to be there. Um, and things like that. Normally, in ther- normally, if this that happened only two weeks ago, last weekend, normally if I wouldn't have had these skills in therapy, normally I've been like, the fuck's your problem? Why won't you come here? You drive here all the, like, it's 40 minutes away. Fucking drive. Be an adult. And I'd handle it very aggressively. I wouldn't scream, but I'd be very, very direct. Like, this is stupid, and you're acting like a kid. Get off your ass and drive, you know? And that doesn't help. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't help. help anything. It makes, it, 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 in the moment makes me feel better because I'm being heard in a way. Um, but learning through therapy that it's it really doesn't help anything. And so internalizing it, and so I, I ended up cleaning and spending the time productive with myself and gave myself some self-love and care versus dwelling on why they don't do that. Um, and one thing I had to share that's really cool, I just have to share with you, and I would have shared this in general, but this is a perfect time to do that. Um, So I started therapy in December. It's called Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. It's a group session with, it's a year-long program, and it's usually in person, but because of COVID, it's on Zoom. So there's two psychiatrists, and there's about 10 to 12 other people on the Zoom that all have different reasons that they're there. The reason I'm there is to try and figure out how to regulate my emotions 
and how to deal with some of my mental health in a much better and a more appropriate way. Some people are there because of court orders. Some people are there because of alternative jail time. All sorts of reasons you can get in this program. So in December, they gave me two tests written. Um, I took the test. The first one was for depression. The max score was 27. I scored, I think, about a 18. So I was pretty up there for depression. And on anxiety in December, I took the test. The max score was 21, and I got a 21. Anxious as fuck. I probably would have too. All the way. I just retook the test yesterday because I had my one-on-one. My depression out of 27 is a four. Holy shit. Yeah. And I feel good. I That's actually feel good. It, it's, it's helping. And my anxiety, our goal was to get me down to a 15 from a 21. I'm actually down to a 10. Wow. Yeah. And this I want to share with because I voluntarily put myself into therapy because I wanted my answers. I did it for me, right? To, so I could be there for my, my kids more yep. because I was disassociating when I was getting in a... I was getting a bad text or something, and then instead of spending time with my kids, I'd dwell on how I should respond and not be in the moment. Well, therapy is really helping to use these skills to learn how to understand that that's happening, feel it, release it, and then still be in the moment. And I was actually surprised when I took that test yesterday that she said that, and I was like, oh, this this feels really good. This is really helping. This isn't a bunch of pharmaceuticals i'm on a couple but they're very light i made sure that no wellbutrin no um prednisone no zoloft no i'm taking very light stuff um and i think that because you know how i was feeling before ramped up really excited energy i feel calm present able to handle situations when they're stressful the best thing about group is that you're not alone Mm -hmm. There's 12 other people going through different things in our lives, but we're all being taught the same skills because these are the skills that really help people. And they're helping me. I I can speak on this very strongly. I mean, I just found out that I'm doing way better than I thought yesterday because the quality of life I have is so much more meaningful. just being able to tolerate things in a different way. Like really, like if like, like, I'm sorry, but the other day, like I asked my son's mother, I was like, Hey, do you, what, what time do you think you come pick up B tomorrow? No, that was my response. That's the response I'm supposed to get from a mother. Uh, I mean, that doesn't make sense, right? You're supposed to get like, Oh, I'll let you know, or maybe I have some plans. I'll try to get around here. I get the word no. Okay. That's how you want to react. Okay. So the next day on Sunday, I say, what time will you be able to pick up B today? We're going to be leaving here about three. So I'm kind of given some of that window. And then I don't get any texts until like noon. And then it says, I'm on my way. Jeez. Usually I would have been like, you know, text back, like, what the fuck's your problem? Why do you act like this? What is this? But uh, radically accepting that's who she is. 
and I have to do the best I can in understanding that and communicating the most effective ways. Right. Because the ways that I used to communicate have not been effective. And in the DBT, I have been learning effective ways to to work through these things. And it, like I said, it's, it's male, ha- male stigma is around it, but yep. there's no need to be because I feel better. Right. I feel safe. I don't feel judged. Um, I talk to my doctors about my drug use, about my pot use. I talk to them about my PTSD, my family history. And I feel like I have a great relationship with somebody. And another thing they asked what they think is helping the most yesterday. And I told them that I think what's helping the most is having someone to talk to on a weekly basis that isn't there to judge you and is probably more versed in the things that they're able to tell you than you'd be able to find on your own on Wikipedia or Google. You might be like, oh, I'm depressed. Let's type this. But through that, she's able to say, you're doing a great job on this. Now that we've conquered this, let's start to work on this because it's going to help this. And having somebody break that down to you, you're not going to get on YouTube and you're not going to get on... It's a personal connection. Right. They know you, and that helps. And I told her that having somebody that listens to me on the same level, because if you're trying to talk to a significant other like, or, or a past significant other that you already have animosity or a, right. or you're always trying to one-up each other, you're never going to get anywhere. But you still need to get to those same issues. Yep. So talking to this counselor, Laura Stischer, she's been amazing um and really listens and then really says you know what you're i don't hear you giving yourself enough credit you have two baby mamas that are very challenging to work with you ended up getting your own place you have a job you're doing what you've wanted to do how they react is their problem their fault yep and Yes, it's hard for you to react always positive to them, but she'll give me suggestions. I'll tell her what I want to say, and she'll say, well, maybe you should word it like this. And so an example would be, I would say, hey, Rachel, will you come pick up B today? She'd say no. That just opens up the dialogue for argument, right? Why not? Why can't you do it? You know, it's just an argument. So Laura's like, So you're giving her the option to say no. You should maybe, let's start saying, what time will you be here to pick them up? So it's really simple things that because you're locked and frustrated and trying to get your point across, having somebody else that's not so emotional about it can give you some logic about it. And that has, I think, helped me the most is having somebody to talk to and then DBT, knowing that there's 12 other people, 20 other people going through the same things and needing the same skills. They're not going through the same circumstances and right. same tribulations, but these same skills are effective to help these people. And and it's a year-long program. And like, yeah, yesterday, no, today, two people graduated today. And then a month ago, two people graduated. So they always like rotate new people in. Mm-hmm. So you're always getting a good mix of daily, of new people's lives, where they're coming from, 
Um, and you hear all, they don't share very, they don't share triggering stuff. They won't be like, Hey, I'm having trouble not using narcotics today, but they'll say I'm in, having a hard time engaging in a target behavior. I need some support to not engage in that. And so we'll talk about target behaviors versus cutting or suicidal tendencies or drug use. They're named as target behaviors. So it doesn't trigger. So it's a very safe environment. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed quite a difference, man. I mean, just in the last, like since, since the new year, I mean, since you got this new job, since you started the therapy, I mean, it's, it's like night and day, bro. Like your, your whole, I mean, I haven't seen you in person until now. I mean, this is, the, you're literally like the first friend I've seen in months besides my girlfriend. Um, but like your whole aura is, is changed and different. And the way that you just communicate in general seems just a lot more just like, you're just happy. I, yeah. You I know? feel that way. Yeah. I haven't felt that way in a long time. And I, I, I appreciate you having having you in my life you've been there i appreciate having carrie in there she's been wonderful my family i have a better relationship with my family the last two years than i ever have my whole life yep um and it all comes to a lot of like just wanting to take care of my being Mm -hmm. because it takes a lot of i i've heard on other podcasts with that you've talked with nice minds that always trying to please people is draining always yep. trying to do something and put yourself on the back burner yep is super draining yeah like i said man i mean you've you've really stepped up what you're doing man and you know we both have that in common where we've struggled with mental health and anxiety and depression and all that stuff and something i tried last year that i'm going to try again this year, because um, May is Mental Health Month, oh, um, nice. cool. this episode will be going live um, on April 30th, so the day before May 1st. Okay, um, cool. So starting May 1st, I want to try what I'm going to be calling the Get Nice Challenge. And I started that last year, mm-hmm. um, where essentially the idea is they say that it takes three weeks to form a new habit. Um, and... I'm going to try, I'm going to try until the new year, but if, if I feel like I, I, you know, it's going well and I like, I want to keep going, I might go until next May 1st. Um, so the goal is like every three weeks to form a new habit or like replace an old habit. So last year I tried this, um, and it felt like it was working. Um, but I wanted to get off of social media for like three weeks. Um, just to like clear my head and like, you know, social media can be draining. It can be, um, it totally can really fuck with my mental health and make me feel all sorts of ways. It makes me feel like I am not as good as other people or like I'm posting the wrong thing or like I'm not posting the right thing or, you know, it just has me in my head all the time. I, yeah, I get all that. the time. So I think I'm going to try that again. I'm, that's going to be my first one. Sorry, May 1st. I'm going to go until like May 21st. Um, try to like not have any social media or like check it at all. Um, you know, I'll still be posting these, um, these podcasts and stuff like that and still be going through that. But, um, and I really wanted to to try to help with my productivity, you know, Um, because I find myself like, I'll have like a to-do list that'll be like a mile long, but I'll just be on social media, like scrolling, 
like mindlessly fucking <laughs> <That's>, scrolling <laughs> and commenting and posting or like whatever when I have like a million clients and I have like my own fucking shit that I want to work on and like all this fucking stuff. And so, yeah, I think I'm going to try the get nice challenge. Um, Do you ever go through and like scroll through Facebook? You close it, you open Instagram, scroll, you close it, you oh, open yeah. Twitter, you close it, you go back to Instagram. You just cycle through them. And then yep. I'm like, what, what, what am I doing? Right. What, I've looked at the same six apps, yeah. the same shit. Why? And then I was pointless. I'm like, what, yeah. what? they've hijacked our brains so yeah, bad. Straight up. So man. bad. It's, it's so unhealthy. And I, you know, I know that I have an addictive personality. I mean, cause like when I smoked cigarettes, I would smoke like a pack a day. Um, you know, and like, I feel like if I were, I feel like social media is like a drug. It's a really bad drug. You know, I'm very addicted to coffee. Coffee's like, well, it hits your dope, you know, your dopamine. Yeah, every time you get a dope, text, yep. every time you get a like, every time you get something that makes you go, I want more. Yep. That's a dopamine hit. Yeah. So I'm like overly addicted to that. So I want to, I want to do things like that. And then, you know, some of some of the time it might be to like exercise or like the next one might be like to exercise for every day for three weeks or something or like read every day for three weeks just to get myself into all these new habits. Oh, so one new skill every three weeks. One new skill, oh, okay. well, like one new habit every three weeks. There you so, go. So, so and what I'm hoping is like after the three weeks of no social media, maybe that will help me to check it less, you know, yeah. maybe like that's the idea to like, like, Oh, I, I got myself into this new habit of not checking social media. So maybe, um, and la the last time I tried it, um, tragically was when George Floyd was murdered. Um, oh, damn. Yeah. So right. like that, you know, like that happened. Um, I think I, I had started May 15th last year, um, doing this and that happened that I think the 25th. So I was like 10 days into it. And like, cause I, when, when that first happened, like I didn't really know about it that much. I mean, like you told me about it basically because yeah. I was off social media. I wasn't like, and I wasn't watching the news or anything like that. So I had no idea. And it, it blew up fast. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, you were well, basically, I can't remember what you said, but you were like, gonna, gonna go help, you know, Minneapolis clean up and stuff. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh shit, like, this is crazy. What, what's going on? What's and happening? Like, yeah. yeah. And so I had to like look at social media and like, I, that started back into like, I got like, you know, obviously like I'm very passionate about black lives and black lives matter and all that stuff. So that got me back into like, the social media, you know, mode and stuff like that. So have you seen what's happening down there now? Um, as far as what, what do you mean? We're just military presence. Is oh yeah. Dude. Unreal. It's insane. Yeah. I can't believe that every man. corner there's, there's convoy or whatever they yeah, have. It's insane, man. It's, it's just like they're making an example out of our state. Right. Yeah, dude. It, yeah. It's just insane. It's like, it's like they want to, they're so used to like this, the way that the way that they do policing that they can't think of any other fucking way. And they, they, they it's so systemic and so um, rotten to its core that they, you know, they were in the America, like refuses to change it, you know, all yeah. these systemic problems, you know, it's, it's just insane. And it's I, fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> I want to feel like we're empowered. I want to feel like we, have a power but it seems like they try to shut that all down immediately they're apparently taking people off of their porches now for being outside you can't be on your own property during the curfews you mean yeah yeah they're they're not allowing people to pro uh, peacefully protest yep 
Um, I mean, they're doing things that I think are unconstitutional. So what the fuck can we do if they're not abiding by the rules that they set this country on? Yep. I mean, that just means that they are running the game and whatever the fuck they want, they say, and that's how it goes. Yeah, exactly. And and if you try and do others, anything to disrupt that, you're labeled as a threat to the United States or a terrorist. Yeah. Like, like, and I don't want to hurt anybody, but I don't want military, I don't want to walk down there with right. scary for my kids. Yeah, that's insane, man. I mean, it's... I don't know what what other all because people are out there saying don't kill black lives, right? Don't kill black people, right? Simply what those protesters are out there for, and that's that's what I mean. If you're if you have to be out there saying that, and they're still getting right condemned it's, for it, yeah, yeah. I I think that the only way is like little wins like we had today. Like today, as we're recording this, true, true. Um, Derek Chauvin uh, was found guilty on all counts which that it's it's significant in the fact that like it's a first like i mean like i i don't think it's the first cop to ever go to jail or anything obviously right, like that right. that's happened before but it's it sets a huge example like guilty on all counts like right. this is like true justice um is like finally starting to trickle and i i think any any like revolution it's a process. It takes a long time. Um, you have to have the awareness that something's wrong to be able right. to want to change it. Right. And yeah, progress doesn't just happen overnight, but I think that that win, you know, was, was a step in the right direction. It's just going to take a lot more of those. Yeah. A lot more of those wins, a lot more of those, like it's going to take people, you know, not backing down. It's going to take people continuing to speak up to con- continuing to, to fight for justice and, you know, do what they think is right. That's a really personal thing for me because I am the only mixed biracial kid in my entire family. Yep. I come from very white Christian conservative family where I'm literally the only colored skinned person in my entire family, friends or my uncles, aunts, cousins, the only one. Um, Never had a father that I've known. And I've been brought up in a white privileged world and society and community. And I didn't really understand it until all this started happening over the last five, 10 years that people have started to make these things very prominent. I feel it because I have felt objectified and I have felt isolated my entire life in my own family. So I get how that is a thing, but my own family doesn't believe any of that. They don't. Right. They don't. They don't believe it's a problem. They don't think it's a problem. They don't think it's an issue. They think all lives matters. They think that the Black Lives Matters is a political ploy. They don't understand it at all, and like they're they're scared to try fucking Thai food. I mean, they don't. That's. They don't. I mean, I love them, but right. If it's not white rice and turkey it's <laughs> damn you no know? so so i mean they're great people they're great right. people they're very they're involved with their church and they give back to the community and they're they've let several people stay at their house that needed homes so they're very good people 
but it's such a removed process and part of the world that they are from that they don't they they're scared of muslims and they're scared of immigration laws and they're terrified that biden's president and kamala harris is going to be president and they're they're not very progressive yeah and it's it's just sad too because i just feel like if they were to step outside their comfort zone and like be friends with somebody who's muslim be friends with you know people of other cultures and uh, people that didn't grow up like you you right then they would see like oh these people aren't bad can learn some awesome 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 things from people from other cultures other countries and that's the way that i've always looked at it like i've always been fascinated by people that grew up differently than me yeah like in a good way like i've always been so just like like oh like you believe something different like tell me about it right like you know like like you know i have friends that are muslim jewish you know christian atheist whatever like all religions just because like i i mean if as far as religion goes like i i'm agnostic so like i'm very open to like all different types of religion and just i've just always been like open to all types of races and backgrounds and stuff like that and like i love hearing about people's you know struggles like that weren't like me you know right i you know and i think that's important for for white people to with privilege to to be open to that and to understand other people's struggles you know and and to to empathize with that and um i so it's very hard for me to to be open-minded towards people that aren't open-minded. Yeah, or I don't know. Are you very familiar with any of the other music scenes other than hip-hop in Minnesota? I mean, not really. Like a little, like, I mean... Look at any other genre. Uh, the bluegrass scene, country scene, and I've performed with them all. I've always been the token. I've always been maybe one or two other times, but the Steele County State Fair when I was playing with Just Merlin, I was loading up my, got my bass in my hand, we're walking toward the stage, and I just get a, hey, 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 excuse me, what are you? (laughs) I've gotten that question asked at least 20 times in my life. Just randomly Mm -hmm. out of the blue? I get it all the time. I get it all the time. Not even what ethnicity. I get what are you? It's what are you? I'm a human being. That's that's what I say. I usually, it depends on how I'm feeling. I usually say I'm human or I'll be like, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out myself or I'll say some stupid cocky shit because you're asking me something fucking ignorant like that. That's ridiculous. I've had it. I've had it since I was 15. I've gotten the questions of what are you? Not not what's your heritage, yeah. what's your family background like? It's what are you? And it's been a, it's been well over 17, 20 times. Got on my whole high school. Damn. Got it from friends, from friends' dads. Yeah. From I think three or four friends' dads that I've been hanging out and they're like, What are you? <laughs> what are you? <laughs> Even Rachel, my my ex that Brandon's mom, I lived with them and carl her dad for a year or two and he he said that one time he goes brandon you've been here like a month i've been trying to what the fuck are you and i'm like carl 
I'll, I'll get that 23 and me and I'll send it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't give people a straight answer anymore. Right. They're going to ask me some stupid shit. I'm going to give them some stupid shit right back. Yeah. But that's, I mean, like tying back to like your music and finding your identity through that, like that's got to be like, like you've never really had that identity. It, I haven't. And you therapy know? has really helped me understand why I haven't had that identity. Yeah. And my identity has always been involved with music, very creative, very compassionate, very helping, giving person. So those are my identities. But, but yeah, who do I, what tribe do I belong to? Right. Like I can, I can do hip hop. I can do reggae. I can do country. I can do pop. I have friends in metal. I have friends in every genre of music. I got studio friends in every genre of music. So I can do it all, but like, what am I? What do I want to do? And like, I always go back to it. And it's like, it's right there. Yep. Acoustic writing. Like I'm yep. a singer songwriter. I'm working on, um, that's like, you know, you've asked like hurdles, what hurdles are that we face. Um, getting my voice, like I would almost sacrifice all my talent to be able to sing as good as I have, as much talent as I have. Cause I could play all these instruments and write melodies and, but I can't sing very well yet. I am working on it. Yeah. And here now that I have a space to do it now that there's open room and I can be loud at 10 o'clock at night, I'm not going to piss off a neighbor. I'm going to be putting in yeah, some hours and practice, especially with this natural reverb in this room, dude. Totally. Yeah, definitely totally. practice it. But I think, I think it's important that you recognize your strengths, you know, and you know, you know, you can shred on guitar, you know, your bass, but you know that you, you know, need to work on your voice. Yeah. You know, and that's good, man. I, I think it's, it's very good to practice the things that you aren't good at and like realize that, you know, realize what you need to improve on. And, um, I think that goes with everything. I think, I think more people just need to be aware of their strengths and weaknesses and not judge themselves for it, you know, right. And not, you know, beat themselves up for it. Cause I, I've really had to take into account what my strengths and weaknesses are as far as like my creative stuff like and, and admit to myself like i'm not not good with mastering i'm not you know there's certain even though i owned a record label or so-called record label or whatever um it's still a tons of stuff i don't know about business you know like and i, I needed to to be comfortable enough with myself to admit that you know right so, yeah and then that's when you end up finding your team once you know where where your short not necessarily shortcomings are but where you're where you could use a little bit of help or a little bit of spice yep. you find the right team um like i want to get the lyrics written then i'm going to start doing more demos and then i'm hoping that you'd be able to do some of the i want you to be like the final ear producer i would love that yeah yeah that's kind of what rick rubin does yeah um, you know like you know who rick rubin is right Sounds really familiar. So Rick Rubin, uh, he co-started Def Jam with yeah, okay. um, with uh, Russell Simmons, um, and he was the the dude that like made all of the beats for like the Beastie Boys for um, like Run DMC, LL Cool J, Hell yeah. um, like all of those like early hip hop dudes. But then he went on to like um, produce. Now he produces like you know some of your favorite music is probably produced by him. So like. He went on to produce for like Tom Petty, for um, Johnny Cash, for um, like uh, like everybody in hip hop basically, but like rock too, like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hell yeah! He did their oh, yeah. um, he produced uh, like a lot of their 
or like their big album that they really blew up with in the 90s um with like give it away now and all that stuff yeah um, sex love and blood yeah, or something yeah. Um, yeah he produced that album um so but he he's known as like uh he doesn't really do like he doesn't not like a hands-on beat guy he's just he'll kind of like he'll lay he'll he's like this like bearded dude he he calls his studio shangri-la he's like very nice. much like like zen type dude um but he'll go in and he'll just basically like listen to to what they have and he'll tell tell them to like get rid of certain things or like tweak certain things and he's kind of like like what you said you wanted me to be like yeah the final yeah. ear type person you know yeah because i got um, this idea of where i'm going to put them all together and a lot of those songs that i showed you before like the creative measures um when you first came to taylor sound i went back and i downloaded i was listening to them i was like oh these are good but i know how to touch up the sound a lot better now that's dope and so now i got the setup i want to try and do just rough demos get some recordings and then send it to the team and i want to start getting these all worked out hell yeah man yeah i'm excited to be a part of that i'm excited to see where it goes and I got, I think, I, I think I'm going to start simple. I'm going to only start with like six songs. Yeah. Instead of like, I got the whole 12 done for that star seated album. Um, but I want to start. So there's other songs that I have that I know how to sing, where to sing on. And that's where I'm going to start. And then once I start learning how to use my voice and how to be in time a little bit better, then I'll start working on those other songs too. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, you have so much music. Have you ever thought about just like giving it to other singers to sing? Um, I have to. I discuss. I would need to find out. I just haven't reached out to anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I've thought about it, and I would definitely be into it. Um, yeah, because I feel like you and I could just sit down one day and just like go through like, I mean, between you and I, we have like so much music, you know? Yeah. And there's so many singers that I know that are like, looking to work you know like looking to to do stuff and if we just come up with like the paperwork and you know figure out the financial stuff or like not even worry about that like i just know that we can make some fire ass music i'd be down for that you know so um that's that's where i want to like go like i, I really just want to get like i just want to make fucking amazing music and just create again yeah in the studio like i'm yeah that you, studio's you, you, home man you miss the stage like i miss being here like with people you know i like, miss the studio more than the stage yeah, for sure like i for miss sure. being in the studio with people and with like that that in-person collaboration like i love performing but the studio is where the magic happens yeah. like performing is a rush and four hours goes by like 20 minutes yep. it's a rush it's fun it's really engaging but the studio is is like magic because yep. you're creating it there you're putting on the polishing touches. You're getting your mindset in the right spots because, I mean, I've even heard of like people running around the studio a few times to get their energy up. Well, yeah, if you see Travis Scott, like in any videos with him, he's always jumping around the studio and just like he's got to have that energy because yeah, that's his style. Yep. Yeah, 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 exactly, man. I mean, I feel the most comfortable in the studio, and I think. I think that's why I don't like I, I miss shows, obviously, but like I associate shows with stress a lot Like yeah. when it comes to like me booking shows and stuff like that. Yeah, like I do miss going to shows and supporting people and all that stuff. But as far as like like I, I had a lot of just negative experiences with shows towards the end. Yeah. Um, of me booking. So like I, I'm I'm more just like 
Like I just miss fucking that collaborative spirit. You know? I think that's more of your niche too. It's just yeah. being in the studio, getting those people in there, grinding away. Yeah. Cause it's, and that's what I did too. I mean, I started the record label book shows, try to develop artists, write contracts, get them on board, helped a few people. And then you're just kind of like, I mean, it's, it's fun, but that's not my true passion. I'm passionate about the industry. I'm passionate about helping other people succeed. Um, but I'm not passionate about handling your finances right. and, and telling you where you need to be on time and yep. telling you to get your shit together. Yeah. You know, that's like why, if, yeah, everybody w was always like, you should be a manager. You're a manager. And I'm like, no, I'm not like, I'm a producer. Like I, right. I hated that. Like I hated when people would say like, bro, be a manager. Like I don't want to manage other people. And like, that's why like a, a record label you know, as, as dope as it was, was hard because like, I w it was like, I was kind of a manager at the same time, you know, and I was like producer slash show booking guy, but also like doing manager type duties. And that's a lot to spread yourself thin yeah. too, I think. And I think after we do that to ourselves, we spread ourselves thin and really try all these different things. We kind of come full circle to being like this, this is what feels right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I mean, I got the DJ controller, but I'm not a fucking DJ. Right. I mean, it's fun to play. It's fun to know how to use. Maybe one day I'll get to DJ a gig for 20 bucks or some shit, but it's fun to know how to use. But I'm not trying to be a DJ. Right. I, I'm i I'm a singer songwriter just yeah. that hasn't sung yet. <laughs> right. Yeah, true. I, I mean, I got I got lyrics for days and I got ideas for days. And I can write a new song and I can write a new song right now with the riffs. Yeah. But And you know, I can fucking make a drum beat and make that shit pop too. You know, yeah. like, and, and that's what, what I, one of my strengths too is like, I, I know the right ingredients. Like I know, like if you, like if, if you said, Oh, the, here's a song that I have, but I don't want to sing it. I, I could, I could tell you who I want nice. to sing that, you know, like nice. I, I have whole plethora of, you know, my network is huge now. You yeah, know, so. I'd be totally down to go through a catalog, put yeah. like 10, 10 songs each. Yeah, dude. And shop them around. I would love to do that. Yeah, and I got plenty in the arsenal. Because, yeah, I, I I know nothing but fucking talent, man. And I feel like I just want to get, I just want to make. I just want to create. Yeah, I, just I feel wanna, it. I want to create with other people. I want to create with you. I want to just throw down like and just make something we're all proud of you know i want to be back in the studio shredding yep fucking love i, I love laying down 20 takes yep like, do you have a, a bass yet no i don't have a bass I, I can borrow on my chris has one my mom i have husband. one sitting in my room that i bought for 25 bucks years ago that i forgot about <laughs> it's an ibanez i, I want to give it to you um i don't know what it is and i don't even know if it's any good but I'll fucking rocket <laughs> but i bought I, like i told one of my buddies that i used to work at um Boston Scientific with you actually talked to him, uh, Ken. Okay. Um, was that they wanted to do that that promo? Kent, Kent is his yeah. name. Yeah, him and his son. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I bought. I think it was his son's bass for twenty five bucks from him because I said that I kind of wanted to learn it. I just never touched it. It's been sitting in my room for months. Yeah, or for years. I mean. Well, you don't have to give yeah. it, but I'll borrow it for a while, make some tunes with it. Dude, I'll, I'll give it. I bought it for twenty five bucks, bro. Like, <laughs> I'll give it to you. Like, I'm never gonna play it. I love. I I've bought fifteen dollar guitars from from pawn shops. Oh, made yeah. them sound so fucking good. That's what. That's why I think you could fucking bring it to life. Probably. I love it. I love Since taking shitty a, instruments, and I can be like, yeah. I can make them shred. Since you don't have a bass, like, 
Yeah, I should just start coming over like once a month now or something or like. Yeah, we I got set up, man. We can yeah. do whatever now. Because I, I mean, I don't think once a week would work, but like once a month. Yeah. Just start getting getting that going, man. I'm totally for that. Hell yeah. Could start creating here, and then once we can get to a studio, we can bring it there. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I'm let's, about it. Let's do it. Let's make some shit again. Fuck you, COVID. <laughs> um, but man, You're vaccinated now. Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate everything that you have contributed to my life and to this podcast and to my career in general. And um, I can't wait to see how you grow as a person and as a musician, bro. Hey, yeah, Brandon. I love you. You've been a great friend. And we met online. And as soon as we met, we've hit it off. We've had a similar life and similar path and mindset and goals. And we both make Bob music and good friends i'm glad that i got to see you in person fuck yeah dude it's been like been a year and a half a year yeah yeah over a year for sure yeah hell yeah bro so and this is a good start to start getting out a little bit more because i know that a lot of people are having um a little bit of a harder time getting out because we've all been stuck inside for yep. a year and jumping right into it's kind of scary so this is nice to come to a place where it's open and relaxed there's not a lot of pressure here yeah. It's nice and quiet. So yeah, I've been just such in a like a routine for the last you know fourteen months or however long we've been in lockdown, and I've just been like it's literally been you know home and work and my girlfriends, and that's about it. You know, only deviating from that you know a handful of times. Right. And like I'll go like even with grocery shopping, I'll go like I'll order online and like go pick it up and like they deliver it to my car. Yeah. Or or I'll have it delivered to my house, like, or like, you know, things like that. Like literally haven't been inside stores in forever. And like, so it's, it's, it's good to get out of my routine and, and I appreciate this setting and like your new place is gorgeous and yeah. your new job is, is dope. And yeah, I mean, the fact that you live where you work and it's like, it's a bomb little pad too. And you just got a great view and dude, man, I'm proud of you, bro. It really helped when I st- I it it I emailed twenty five B. Was that how many it was? I emailed twenty five B local B hives and businesses. Only one got back to me, and I emailed all those people in November of two thousand twenty. I didn't get a reply from Ames Farm until January twenty twenty one. Asking. Oh, was it? It was that long. Mm -hmm. Wow. I forgot all about it. And I was like, and then I was looking at going to trade school for carpentry. I was looking at, I was losing my mind. I didn't have a job. I wasn't performing. Yeah. There was no jobs available. Um, my parent, my grandparents are high risk when I was living with them. So I didn't want to work at Walmart or a fast food place where I'm seeing a lot of people. Um, so then I was like, what can I do? That's essential. That's not really going to go away unless like a mother nature takes it away. And that's when I said, oh, yeah, I saw the movie Pop Star back in 2014. Never Stop, Never Stopping or whatever. Yeah, Never Stop, (laughs) Never Stopping. Have you seen it? Yeah, oh, yeah. So fucking good. So good. And, you know, it's the three band members. Yep. And then they break up and the one goes to be a farmer. Farmer, yeah. And you never know what he's farming. He's just like, I'm a farmer. And they're like, what the fuck? That's so weird. And that's always stuck in my head. And so when the pandemic hit and I was like, what the fuck do I need to do? I was like, I'm not a fucking farmer. 
And I was like, well, maybe I could do bees. Bees have a farm and my apiary, you know? Maybe I'll go be on a bee farm for a while. So I sent a long, nice email about my career and where I'm at, what I'm doing, and why I'm searching and pursuing a career change. And then Ames Farm interviewed me and hired me pretty much on the spot. And and then three days later, he's like, are you looking for a place to live by chance? And I was like, I am under the right circumstances. He brought me up here and showed me and I was like, done. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like these windows. Yeah, dude. Two bathroom, two bedroom. Dude, everything about it. All new appliances. Longest, yeah. I was like, done. And yeah. work is, I get to open the door and walk downstairs yeah. to work. Dude. It's it's made. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's sick, man. Well, like I said, I'm proud of you, man. I love you. I appreciate it. Love you too. And it's like, you're here anytime you want. We'll come over and we'll have a, I don't know if you like to cook or barbecue. Oh yeah. Let's yeah. do it. We'll do a barbecue. I got Hell the yeah. fire pit out front. Hell yeah. Play some some uh, campfire songs and make some beats. Hell yeah, dude. I'm about it, man. Sounds like a plan, man. Well, I'll have you on again soon as well. Yeah, I appreciate this. Hells yeah, dude. Well, thank you.